Well, good afternoon. You're on the Real Talk Podcast with Bishop Robert Johnson of the Real Talk Broadcast Network. Don't forget to visit our website at www.realtalkbroadcastnetwork.org. Amen. We thank God for you who are listening um, into our podcast. Those who listen to Pastor Breeden on Friday and are being blessed. We thank God for you who have tuned in and the faithful listeners. Amen. It means much to know that you are in God's word and that you are giving your life over to the word of God. Today, we want to look at a particular text that we often hear and that most of us know, and we want to examine it a little bit closer. We're going to come from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Most individuals will jump down to verse 14 to where it declares, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is totally prophetic because according to the old covenant under the law, with atonement, we would not hear such words. These words are denounced under grace. So what we want to do, we want to go back in the chapter to see where or if we missed anything, because there's something here that's very critical that we understand. By no way am I an expert. By no way am I um, more versed than anyone, because the Bible is not given to any private interpretation. But yet there are things that if we take our time through prayer and revelation that we can see. And so there's some things critical here. But before we go there, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this people. I thank you for this time, this hour. God, I thank you for your magistrate, for your glory, and for your honor. God, look upon your people. Satan, the Lord, rebukes you in the name of Jesus. Uh, I come against you right now. God, does finances that need to be loose. God, we decree and declare that you bless right now. You know what we have need of even before we ask. In the name of Jesus, in the matchless name, in the precious name of Jesus, God, visit the men and women in prison. God, set them free. Give them another opportunity to seek your face and to preach your word. God, those in the hospital who are in the bed of affliction, who are listening right now, give them strength right now. God, breathe them out in the name of Jesus. Give them a testimony of your sovereigns. God, how great you are. In the name of Jesus, every ministry right now, God, strengthen right now. Every pastor, strengthen right now. In the name of Jesus, anything that's not like you, that's weighing the body of Christ down, we come against right now. In the name of Jesus, we come against game playing. We come against those things that are setting division within our churches. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To get a better understanding and to have a clearer or broader view of what we're talking about. Follow us to the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter. It's very critical that we understand when Jesus says, that thing not that I come to destroy the law, but the law in me might be fulfilled. Jesus did not come to destroy the law. The ceremonial law was done away with. But Jesus came to fulfill the law, which was written because the law was a schoolmaster. The law could only show man sin, but it couldn't forgive sin. That's why I want to show you something particular in the text today. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 to get a greater understanding. Verse 1 reads as such, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, 
and not the very image of the things, neither with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So the law could not make you perfect. It could not cleanse you from sin. It only showed you your sin. The law itself was just an image of the good thing which, which, which was to come. And we're going to see that in a minute. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 10. For then would they have not ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But that wasn't the case. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance, again, made of sin every year. A remembrance of sin. The same thing, whether you offer sacrifice or not, there is a remembrance made each year. Verse 4. For it, watch this. For this is critical. Verse 4. I want you to remember that. Circle this and put an X by it. Put a check by it. For it was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It was not possible. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh in the world, who is he? Jesus. He said, Sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. God prepared himself a body to be the ultimate sacrifice for sin for the world. Knew you couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It can only be done by God himself in a prophetic, a perfect body. That's in the person of Jesus. Verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hadst no pleasure. Listen at verse 7. Then we hear Jesus talking. The word. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Now watch verse 8. Above when he says, Sacrificing offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure in them, which are offered by the law. Verse 9 again, to strengthen, then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, all right, by the which we are all sanctified. Through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. Now, if you would turn with me to Revelations, before we go back to Second Chronicles, turn with me to Revelations chapter 5. We want to verify what was said in Hebrews chapter 10. So turn with us to Revelations chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. A book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Verse 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof? Remember in Hebrews chapter 10, God did not honor, neither did he want those physical sacrifices. So remember, he said he prepared himself a body because there was no one worthy after the Adamic sin because of the blood, because of death. The Bible says from Adam to Moses that death reigned. So there was no man worthy to take on the sin of the world. So God stepped out of humanity of glory and stepped into humanity 
in a body called Jesus, the word of God, to redeem you and I back to himself, whereby the law was a schoolmaster or a shadow of the man Jesus, which was to come to renew and redeem us from the curse of the law. That's why 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, for the letter killeth, but the spirit maketh a lie. The letter of the law by itself kills because it can only show. But life came through Jesus Christ. Paul speaks this in Romans, the seventh chapter in the later verses. Let's go back now to Revelation chapter three, chapter five, verse three. And no man in heaven, no man in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Now, remember, we just said God had to step out of heaven, step into humanity. Why? Because there was no man. In heaven, there was no man, no man in earth. So that tells you right there, there was Jesus was not a man in heaven, nor nor man in the earth. Neither was under the earth. All right, was able to open the book and look thereon. Now listen what John says in verse four. He said, "And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open the book and to read. Neither looked thereupon." Now let's look at verse five. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, here we go, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's why in Genesis 49 and 10 it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes, neither a lawgiver from between his feet, and until there be a gathering of the people. So look what it says now. And the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. David was the king of Judah. Saul could have never been the king because Saul was a Benjamite. God said the, 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 the scepter shall not depart from Judah, not Benjamin. So David was the king of Benjamin. Watch this. It had prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. All right. Verse six. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts stood a lamb and the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. How do I know this is Jesus? Jesus said, no man take my life, but I lay it down. Stood, let's go back to verse six now. Stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Not that he was, but he laid down his life. Now here's where we see what God did when he stepped out of glory into humanity. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Verse seven, which I love. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. You might say, well, who took what? What? Well, ain't that two people? No, not at all. The word simply became um, living, a living soul. That's found in John 1.14. John 1 and 1 say, in the beginning was the word. The word was God and the word was with God. God is on the throne. The word now takes on the body. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh. So then that flesh takes the book. The word was Jesus in Hebrews 10. 9 say, lo, I come in the volume of the book. Ah, so on the throne, God had a book, the book of life in his hand. And the seven spirits of God and the seven eyes of God, which were sent for the earth into the earth was the word manifest in the man, 
Jesus. Why is that important? Now let's go back to Second Chronicles. Follow me now. Chapter 7. And we need to look at something most times that most don't. Before we can get to verse 14, we need to understand what's going on. The whole um, 2 Samuel chapter 7 is prophetic. It's totally prophetic. The words used here are not used as which we talked about the law. It's used as what Jesus would do through the spirit. So we see the priest here moved out the way and they have to give way to the spirit. So God did the work of redemption just did not start in the new covenant to where we are living epistles. The word of God where redemption, redemption started, it starts in the old covenant. And we see a great example here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Let's read. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying and the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. They did what they were supposed to do under the law. They offered sacrifices. God accepted it, but that's not what he wanted it, according to Hebrews chapter 10. Remember, now let's look at verse 2. And the priest could not enter into the house. Wait a minute. The priest, the priests were responsible for receiving these sacrifices. But here it said they could not enter into the house of the Lord. Remember I said 2 Chronicles 7.14 is prophetic? Because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. It had filled his own house. Another word for glory is spirit. Verse 3. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endured forever. Here's the transition. Let's look at verse 4. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices to the Lord. Now, wait a minute. There's something here that I need you to see in verse 4. It didn't say the priest. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord wouldn't even let the priest come near the house. They could not even enter. So the priests are removed here. Well, wait a minute. Who's, who's in charge? The Spirit of the Lord is. So as we see now, God is introducing his Spirit in covenant of the New Testament. All right. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before the Lord. Wait a minute. The only way they could do that is in the spirit. And King Solomon, now watch this now. We're going to see what King Solomon offers. All right. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. And the king and all the people dedicated to the house of God. And the priests waited on their offices. They couldn't do anything. All they can do is the other part without doing what the spirit was doing. See, this is what we have to look at. God was always at work in the plan of redemption, redeeming you and I, and I back to himself to where it would no longer be written on stone, but it would be written in flesh and a heart. It was always there. So when it talks about David, David was a man after God's own heart, God's own spirit. So when we see David, Solomon, David's house, Judah, that represents the spirit of God. All right, verse 6. And the priests waited on their office, offices. The Levites also with instruments of music, 
of the Lord, which David, here we go again, David the king had made to praise the Lord because of his mercy endured forever. Wait a minute. Doesn't that sound like Psalms 23? Atonement doesn't deal with mercy. His mercy endure forever. So do you see how God is segueing the spirit? He's bringing his spirit into play. When David prays by their ministry and the priest sounded trumpets before them and all of Israel stood. Let's transition again. Verse 7. Moreover, Solomon hollowed out the middle of the court, which was before the house of the Lord. And for there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of peace offering, because the brazen offering altar which Solomon had made was not able. The brazen altar was not able to receive the burnt offering and the meal offering and the fat. He had to hollow out a different place. That place today, child of God, is you and I. That's why it says in Romans 12 to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. That's to be done in the spirit. Hollowed out means to sanctify, to mean to mean to make holy for God to receive an offering because the priest and even the brazen altar could not accept it because God was transitioning from the flesh to the spirit. So what we see here is the prophetic element of God's plan of redemption where his spirit would control man and not flesh. Let's transition again in verse 8. And at the same time, Solomon kept the feast seven days and all of Israel with him, a very great congregation from entering into the Hamath unto the Egypt river. Verse 9. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly and they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And on the three on, and on the three and the twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart for the goodness of the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel and his people. Verse 11. Then Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make into the house of the Lord and to his house. He prosperly, prosperly effective. Verse 12. The Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said, I have heard thy prayer. I have chosen this place to myself as a house of sacrifice. Now we can get into the text. Now watch, we hear personal pronouns and we see that sacrifice is not here, dealing here. Now we see a spiritual understanding from verse 13 and 14. This is covenant of the new covenant. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the focus, locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Now watch this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Now watch this. He doesn't say offer anything and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If you see it as you can see. We go from a perspective of atonement to repentance. God had to set up this plan 
before Jesus got here because it had to all be from the foundation of the world where he was working out the plan of redemption for his bride, the church. I'm glad you stopped by to visit with us today. I'm glad you stopped by and you know now that you need to be saved according to the spirit. So when we hear Jesus tell Nicodemus, you must be born of the water and the spirit, that covers what Jesus said that he had to come to fulfill. Those who left Egypt, they were baptized in the sea. All right. That's the baptismal water. They were baptized into the sea. All right. Now, Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his spirit when we come and receive the offering of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus, you must be born again, born of the water and of the spirit. Jesus Christ did not come to destroy the law, but he came that the law might be fulfilled. Child of God, have you been born of the spirit of God? Have you given your life to Christ? I know you go to church. But is the church in you or are you in the church? We love you today very much. Don't forget to visit our website. Read our blogs. God gives us those blogs. Those blogs are not because of me, from me, or mine. They all belong to God. Read them. Spend time in the Word of God. Study the Bible. Study God's Word. Find yourself. Not just find yourself. Share God's Word with someone else. Someone Standing in the need of prayer. It's not my mother. It's not my father. But it's me, oh Lord. Someone standing in the need of prayer. Be blessed. Don't forget to visit our website at www.realtalkpodcast. www.realtalkbroadcastnetwork.org. God bless you.